0: Welcome to MacBytes episode 82. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, stashing data, floating images and noisy tech. Please note, day three of MacByte 7 and we're still going strong. It's a miracle. So, as I was saying, day three. And we're wrapping up our look at what we used to use and what we've replaced it with. So first we'll be looking at mobile document access. And as we've mentioned before, good reader. Love it. Uh, We mentioned it in terms uh, last time of iAnnotate being a great alternative and Derek Peters did a review of iAnnotate in show 75. So if you missed that, check it out. Now, both of these apps have undergone complete redesigns, so they're sporting snazzy new iOS 7-esque interfaces. For Goodreader, somewhat overdue. Now, I know previously you said you've been using Goodreader, but what are you using now? For
1: annotating PDFs, I must admit, I don't do much annotating PDF. I did find I annotate um, synchronising, conf- confusing, whether it was synchronising with um, Dropbox or whether you were downloading a local copy.
0: Um, I did initially, I agree with you, because I think Goodreader was intended to manage the files, the file management side of it is fantastic. Whereas I annotate, I think the strength of it is in the annotations and the file management is just very different. So I work with documents all the time. I've got copious annotations and I I actively read rather than passively read. I think if I'm not actively taking notes or making annotations, then as this happened to you, you suddenly stop and realise that you've not been paying attention and have to go back a page or so. Yeah try and pick it up from where you were. Um, Goodreader's got an awesome set of features. And like I said, I think it goes beyond documents. Now, I know you had a, a weird use for it, didn't you, before Christmas? Yeah,
1: I, I think I mentioned this on one of the previous episodes when my um, music player stopped working. I was using it to listen to music and listen to audiobooks. Um, my iTunes fiasco. Um, I have used it as a video player. It's, it's pretty much... a um, an everything document repository and everything document player, reader, viewer. Exactly.
0: That, that's what I think it's, it's really good at. Uh, the fatal flaw for me was when I was annotating, I think it had about 180 pages and um, I was annotating it and it saved the annotations to the wrong page. And that was when I did move to iAnnotate. So good job Derek pointed me in that direction because there are so many applications that do a very similar kind of job but they all do it in in a different way. And they all seem to have a different range of tools in terms of what's available for annotation as well. But I'm happy to say I annotate, I've stuck with it, and it's been rock solid. But I still do miss an ability that Goodreader had, which is to annotate by drawing a basic shape. So can you imagine you've got a paragraph of text or a diagram in, in a book that you're working with? I want to be able to just draw a square around it. And i annotate forces me to do that in a freehand way, and I don't know about you, but it just looks messy when I do freehand annotations. It does. I
1: think it looks better with um, proper circles and squares and, and, and stuff rather than freehand.
0: Yeah, I, I'm still surprised it's missing because iAnnotate's got a huge array of of tools and I love the interface to it. I love the fact that you can customise it. It has a a toolbar that has all the tools available on it and um, you can have a secondary toolbar. You can take tools away if they're stuff that you never use, which you don't often see with uh, iOS apps, do you? Much more important with uh, desktop apps. But I appreciate that because I think it it makes it customised to what I want. I might even have different toolbars for different jobs. So I really like that. Um, But I, I, I take your point about the syncing. It's conceptually incredibly different. It does actually, if you think about it, it syncs it really does sync. It doesn't. It's not one of those apps where you've got to pull something down from from Dropbox, make your annotations to it, and then upload it to Dropbox with a different name or rename the other one. Do you know what Mm. I mean? That kind of manual file management. It really does try and synchronise it. And um, it synchronises more than just Dropbox as well. I've got mine linked to uh, SkyDrive OneDrive. Um, But It is different from Goodreader, but I'd say it's also different from other alternatives too. Uh, Thinking of documents from Riyadal, you use that one? I I had
1: that one on my iPhone, I think. But then um, when I went through a rationalised... You know how you go through a rationalisation of followers on Twitter and Facebook? Well, I go through a rationalisation of apps on my devices, and I think that one went
0: bye-bye. Yeah. What you mean is you thought, what's that? I can't remember using it. and You deleted it. No, I knew what it was. <laughs> it's it's a good app and it's recently been updated as well. It's still free. Um, so it's from the perspective of managing the documents. What they've done with it is they've given you that side of it for free, but it's got complete integration with other Readle tools. So, you know, the um, Readle had a PDF uh, annotator as well, didn't they? It integrates really tightly with the other tools. So that provides extra functionality within documents. Then uh, I love the interface. I really did think the interface was fantastic. Um, but the annotations more important to me. So that's how come I've, I'm still with iAnnotate. But I think all apps like that suffer a limitation. And it's the way that iOS works with data and files. And the fact that They want to be marooned in single apps. Apple don't want it to work any other way. They don't want a central data store. Um, And that brings us on to creating that central data store for yourself with a device rather than relying on passing files between apps in iOS or even relying on a cloud service. And the first of these is AirStash from Maxell, which is like a large pen drive. It charges and transfers data via USB and it stores its files on an SD card that inserts neatly into the end of the device. I find that it's great for camera transfers and accessing photos from camera cards when you're on the road. And how it actually works, it creates its own wireless network and you attach your iOS devices to that new wireless network and that gives you access to the content. Now, the benefit of that is that, you know, I've talked before about my my Goodreader library being hundreds of, of Meg or gig. Yes, it's it's quite large. I think it was over about thirty gig. Um, what I've been able to do with that, because again, it was marooned in GoodReader, and not only was it marooned in GoodReader, but it was per device. So I'd have to s- try synchronising my iPhone version of GoodReader and my iPad version of GoodReader. So far, easier to keep the data completely outside of an app, and that's what I was doing with this. So. Um, I found it worked very well. What I've done is I've taken an SD card and I've put about 30 to 40 gigs worth of reference materials on it, and I'm accessing the same set of data from this device across multiple iOS devices, and I found it worked really well. Uh, Thinking back, I think I bought it when Dad was really ill and I was making many trips to the hospital and working from the car park. a charge lasted pretty much all day as well. The only problem I found with it was when you're attached to the Wi-Fi of this device. So it's like um, a wireless hard drive, really. You are not connected to any other wireless. So I had my Wi-Fi with me and you could only connect to one or the other. Um, it's around £87, I think, from Amazon, and that includes a 16 gig SD card. So you could actually save quite a bit of money by taking um, a physical iOS device with a smaller capacity and putting your data on one of these things. don't know if you've thought of doing that. I haven't, but it sounds a good idea. Mm, it is a good idea. Mm, uh, there's a second There's a second device as well, which is um, a Kingston Mobile Lite. You think looking at them and reading about them that they did the same job, but they are actually slightly different. Um, I find that that one can't be beaten when it comes to transferring data from an iOS device, especially photos, but also video and music. Uh, To look at it, it's slightly bigger than an air stash, but it's still very portable. It's about four and a half, five inches long, about two inches wide. It's very, very light. So you easily would slip into a pocket, not much bigger uh, in length than a MiFi. And you have this device. It has its own iOS application. And that gives you two functions. The first thing is you've got your device, charge it up, turn it on. Then you've got the app on your iOS device and its first job is to set up the device. So it allows you to create a network and secure it and all of that. And that works very well. Uh, And the second thing it allows you to do is to manage your files. So it gives you access to the storage on that device. The biggest difference for me was the way that it connected. It did create its own wireless network. So exactly the same as the AirStash. But it also provided a bridge mode to the internet. And that's really convenient because... It means I'm, I'm connected to the device, but I can carry on using things like browsers and other apps without constantly having to go back to the settings and switch to a different network. So I really appreciated that. Another difference is it's not just an SD card for storage. The device itself has an SD card slot, but it also has a USB port, which means that you can access information from a pen drive, or actually any standard hard drive that's got a USB cable. So you could actually back up the whole of a device. You know, if you've been out all day, you've got lots of video on it and you just want to back that video up. You could you could do use it for that, which I appreciate. Do you remember when we went to the beach soccer many moons ago? I seem to recall with a PC laptop oh yes. and it took me all night to transfer 26 gig of photos and. Mm. And I, I actually transferred it to um, a music device, didn't I? It was all I had with me that That's was big right. enough. And it did. It took about five, six hours. So it's that kind of job that this would do. I didn't want to leave that event with the photos in only one place, which was on my camera card. So for, for transferring the contents of a camera card to a backup, this, this thing's amazing. Um, and the third thing it can do, so not only does it give you the ability to um, bridge to the Internet and give you storage on, on your cards, but it can also act as an emergency charger. So if your phone's getting a bit flat, you can actually plug it into this thing and it will charge it, which I thought was amazing. Now, that's sounding expensive, isn't it? It is. Mm. Go on. I mean, charges alone can be sort of 15, 20 pounds. Uh, it's 33 pounds at the moment that, that was today's that's, price from that's amazon good value i actually got it a lot cheaper than that i think it was about 27 or 28 when i got one that's even and better value it's an it's an amazing piece of kit for that kind of price it really is um i wouldn't say i haven't at the moment i need to spend more time with it and and because it's got this app whereas the air stash i think you can Oh, I think I have actually done that. That's what I was doing with Goodreader. I was connecting directly to the AirStash from Goodreader. I haven't had the opportunity to try and connect directly to the mobile light from Goodreader. So I need to, t- to test that whether it can do that or not. Um, but the app itself is more in terms of backup than accessing. I mean, yes, you can open anything from any of the hard drives or the SD cards attached to it. But there doesn't seem an easy way at the moment to transfer that to another app. So you've still got the, the, you know, the the data islands where things are in a single app or whatever, but you can read stuff. You can get to it. But I think the main feature of that is to back up your device or images, videos, music on the road. And for that, that is an amazing device. Now, you see, you didn't even know about that one, did you? I didn't. But um, yeah, I want one. Yeah, you don't have one. Not used it, but I want one. Oh, but you want one. Yeah, that, that, that's my job done, I, I feel. That's my job, and, and it's done. Anyway, on to another essential for us screen capture. I was distraught last year, or oh, was it the year before? When did Evernote break Skitch? Can't remember. Yeah, it was quite a while ago, but um, I it broke badly. And that was what made me look around seriously at alternatives. I, I hadn't realised, to be honest, how much I'd come to rely on Skitch. I do use the standard built-in take-a-screenshot shortcut keys, but Skitch gave you that opportunity to just stick an arrow on it, put a circle on it and things like that. Um, and then it was Evernote, bought it and then broke it. So some of the alternatives that I looked at and they were really good. Are you sure you didn't break it? No, I didn't break it. It was nothing to do with me. Makes a change. I mean, it wouldn't be unheard of, but it's no, true. it wasn't me. Uh, the first one that I looked at, and it's a bargain really, is um, Screenshot PSD. Now, have you tried that one?
1: No, but I think I might have it. I can't remember. He said looking for look. it.
0: Uh, yeah, it's Pretty available short. from the Mac App Store. and no, what it, it installed. What it does is save a screenshot to a PSD, so a Photoshop file. And why that's different than taking a standard screenshot is that all the elements of that screenshot are on independent layers. So if you think that, you know, you've taken a screenshot and then you realise that there's something on your desktop or there's something in your menu bar and you need to tidy it up. I mean, I'm thinking about you at work. You've got to really sanitise screenshots, haven't you? mm Uh, this thing would make it really easy because you just open it in Photoshop and then turn the layer off Now, you might think, ah, yes, but that makes it expensive because then I'd need Photoshop. But don't forget, the Pixelmator can open Photoshop files so you could do it in there if you needed to. So uh, that one is only 1.99. I mean, you can't be robbed for 1.99 for it. I don't think it excels at taking a lot of screenshots. That's really for a situation where you either do need to tidy them up, you want to edit them in some kind of way, or you're just taking the odd one to use maybe in a manual or something like that where you need top-notch quality something similar and i'm sure i mentioned this many moons ago but it back at the back in the day it was probably ludicrously expensive it's no longer the most expensive but it does a very similar job to that one and it's called layers and again it saves to a, a photoshop file but i had a look at it um i did have it installed but I updated it to the very latest version and it seems to have now a new feature in it where although it is a Photoshop file and is in layers, you don't need to take it into Photoshop to edit it. It's got this kind of interface where you can turn elements on and off within its own interface. So I think both of those, to be honest, are probably too much for a simple screenshot. Don't you think? Yeah, I think you're right. So then I moved on. I already owned a copy of Snagit from TechSmith, but I was in the sketch mindset at the time and um, I tried it. Do you remember that thing, that red thing that used to pop out from the side on the right hand side of your screen? Like oh. a bit like Jing. Vaguely. Uh, it was like a red button and it was one of those things. I think it was around the time that, that um, Windows XP the fisher price interface this thing hung on the side of your screen and when you moved your mouse pointer over to it it popped out and it gave you a button to take a screen cap and I looked at it and thought no 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 I can't be doing with anything like that I don't want any interface on the screen because by definition then when I take a screenshot I've got that sat there haven't I and I, I don't want to see it um, and I already had an absolute boatload of, of other alternatives so Pretty much binned Snagit at that point. But uh, once Skitch had disappeared, I was checking everything I owned to see uh, where, where we were up to with them and, and was one of them head and shoulders above the others now. And I revisited Snagit. Wow, it's completely awesome. Uh, now be warned, I'll start with this. It's not cheap. It's a professional app and the price reflects that. It's 34 pounds and that's pounds.
1: I think we must have
0: got a discount. Um,
1: we we being we the, cor- we being we the corporate we, not uh, we being you and me.
0: Well, it was on. I remember it was um, available for sale at half price in the Mac App Store because it is available from the App Store as well. Now, there is a big distinction between the direct version and the App Store version. All TechSmith software is activated. So if you buy it direct, it's activated and there's a two machine limit via the App Store. Obviously you can install it as many times as you like on as many Macs as you've got, but you have to wait longer for updates, so the usual story with the App Store. But yes, it was around half price, so about 1750. And of course, with Derek and his wonderful there are iTunes vouchers on offer news. Um, I probably got another twenty five to thirty percent off that as well. So for me it was worth it, but I appreciate it it's, it's not cheap.
1: Mind you, I was talking about the Windows version, not the Mac version.
0: Is the Windows version even more expensive?
1: Uh, we pay $28,
0: but as I said,
1: we've probably got a corporate discount. Um, I use Skitch a bit on the Mac, but um, to be honest, for a basic screenshot, Command Shift and 4 will do, and then Preview to put your annotations on.
0: Oh no, I I don't like the annotations in Preview. Plus the fact Preview does its own thing because it's got that auto save thing going on. You can actually end up with a screenshot that's 500k, which doesn't sound a lot, but it does if you put it on Twitter and it only needs to be 10k.
1: True, but... Um, you, see, you hadn't
0: thought of that, had you?
1: No, I hadn't. But mm. compared to Windows, <laughs> you know, Command Shift 4 and Preview is is actually... um I was going to say something, but I won't. I was like, the, the bee's knees. I know what you were going to say. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, yes, because the stuff on Windows, I mean, you always could take a screenshot, but... Well, print screens a waste of time and um, we've been through this before. The snipping tool crashes. So that's an even bigger waste of time.
0: When I left Windows, it was a case of um, taking a screenshot and taking it into Windows nah, Paint. Nah, nah, yes, exactly. Nah, nah. It was a long time ago. When I lass. Yes. Mm. I'm glad you didn't say lad. <laughs> that would have kicked it off.
1: <laughs> Snagit, actually, is something that I can't live without on Windows. I use it every day for taking screenshots. I create a lot of quick reference guides and use the documentation in my work. So... I actually persuaded my boss to buy it for the team. You know, I I put together a a, a full-page memo. Oh,
0: um, not one of those. I used to have to do that every time I wanted something. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I had to do. Um, and I thought... Couldn't do the day job for writing memos about why I should have something. It was like writing to Santa. That's exactly
1: what I was doing. You know, um, trying to persuade my boss's boss to shell out, you know, like 100 quid for five of us to have it on the on the team. And I thought, you know, 100 quid and, and I'm spending an hour writing this. But anyway, we got it in the end. I think that I'm actually the only one that uses its features. I, I, maybe some of the others actually use it, um, but just for taking the screenshots. Things like the cutout feature, which I find is absolutely awesome and I use it regularly. And if you've not come across the cutout feature, what it allows you to do is it's, it's kind of like crop, but from the middle. So the crop feature on um, you know, things like Photoshop or Pixelmate or, or, or anything, Word even, Word and PowerPoint let you crop images. But they, they crop from the edges or from the corners, whereas this actually allows you to cut something out from the middle. So you know, I'll give you an example. I was taking a screenshot from my own Mac of my Chrome, um, my Chrome screen. Because uh, I wanted to show something in a browser, and you pointed out that I ought to remove the toolbar, uh, not the toolbar, the bookmarks bar, because it had my own personal bookmarks on there. So rather than actually cutting it into two and restitching it, I just used the cutout feature to cut out that particular portion of the screen. So it works horizontally, it works vertically, and it has this—how descri- describe it? Tooth marks? Do you mean the jagged edges? That's the one, yeah. I thought they were called tooth marks, but I—I
0: I never use the one with the jagged edges. It makes it look like the screenshot, um, like like it's been taken from a newspaper and you and you've ripped it out yeah. So, like torn edges. Yeah, that's is the effect. It, yeah. I
1: I use it occasionally just to indicate that something's missing.
0: That's what it's best used for, yeah. yeah. So if you've taken a dialogue box and you're only focusing on the top left-hand corner of the dialogue box you don't want the rest of the dialog box there. So think about Excel. You take screenshots of Excel and there's lots of white space, isn't it, on the right? Yeah. So you could use this feature to crop from the right and then it has this torn edge effect. So it's obvious that the person looking at it isn't looking at all of it. But no, I use the other feature more, the one that you were talking about, where I've got something and there's like a white bit in the middle and I don't need it. I only want them to look at the top and the bottom. And I want to take out a chunk in the middle. And it allows you to do that. You make a selection of it and then you use the cutout key. But not only does it remove it, because like you say, any image app would remove it. It removes it, but it closes the gap.
1: Yeah. Now, you could
0: do it by hand, but it's very fiddly, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, for that feature alone, you're right. I've never seen anything else that does that.
1: The annotations are great. And also the scrolling to capture the entire screen, uh, because there's times where I want to take, say, a, a, a full screenshot of um, a, a full, maybe a full browser screen, or um, well, full browser screen. Well, it's not a full browser screen; it's a full browser page where some of it's also A screen. web page, dear. A web page, yes. Yes,
0: that's what you mean, yes, isn't a it? A full
1: web page, and some of it's three off
0: days in, and you're cracking up.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Can't wait for day seven.
1: Ah. Of course, if you use um, normal print screen tools, it will only take what's on the screen. So this, al- this will actually take the whole web page, the whole window, even if it's off the screen. I've stopped prattling now.
0: Good. So you're using it now on a Mac, are
1: you? I have started using it on a Mac when I remember. What on earth's that? A car alarm.
0: Is that Siri trying to keep us awake?
1: <laughs> no, it's a car alarm. Should we carry on? Well, we
0: could stop and leave it, but we're going to have to carry on or MacBytes 7 will become MacBytes 47 at this rate.
1: Um, Yeah, I have started using it on the Mac, as I say, when I remember. Um, The Command Shift 4 is usually what I use. But uh, if I want to do something specific, then I will will, um, use um, Snagit or, or save it and take it into Snagit and use the editing features.
0: Well, as ever, I use a whole range of apps. Snagit's the best. But um, there are a few alternatives and Monosnap is great. It's very similar to Skitch in concept, even to the fact, you know, that little tag you used to have at the bottom of Skitch and you could drag and drop stuff to the desktop or anywhere else, to be honest. Monosnap's got that. So what makes Monosnap fantastic is it's got all the features that Skitch used to have and more besides. And it's free. It's cross-platform as well. Um, it has the option in the preferences to post to many online services. So they fall into two categories. The free ones include your own FTP server, uh, SFTP. WebDAV and Amazon S3. And of course, you can get free space on Amazon S3. And then there's a whole other category of services that you can upload to. So Evernote, Dropbox, Yandex Disk, um, Box and Cloud App. To get access to those, it's a one-off payment of 2 99 which I think is a complete bargain, to be honest. It would give you... Because Snagit does upload to services, but it does it in a very odd way. And it's quite difficult in Snagit to convert, you know, to say, I want this one as PNG, but I want that one as a JPEG. And that it was always a lot easier in um, Skitch and it is easy in Monosnap. So I think the 2 dollars is worth it. You can get a Monosnap cloud account as well, and that saves your snaps in the cloud. And as I say, it's got all those annotations. Um, one of the things I've, I've seen in Monosnap that I've never seen in anything else, with one possible exception, but it's slightly different, is um, there is a, a t- sneaky tip. When you've taken your screen cap, you know how you want to highlight something so you draw around it and you get like a a border, usually red with a drop yeah. shadow on it? Well, if you hold the option key down as you're doing that, it draws the circle on it okay, or the square or whatever, but it zooms the area that you've drawn over. It's an unusual effect, but really valuable, I think. Um, I have seen the option in something else, which I'll talk about shortly, but I did it inadvertently. I was just obviously thinking I was in the wrong gap, MacBite 7, (laughs) head's not where it should be. Hold down the wrong key. And as I drew, I thought, whoa, what's it done? And then I realised it's this sneaky option where you can zoom an area. So to really focus on it. You've seen me do that, but I, I do it manually. You know, when I do a presentation, yeah, And I'm trying to highlight something on a slide. I mm. take two screen caps. I take the first one and then I take another one zoomed in and I put one over the top and like draw around it. This thing does it automatically. you seen that? I haven't. Have you got it installed?
1: Um, good question. Shall I try it?
0: <sighs> Why no is the knows? answer no. always I'll go and have a look? Not yes, of course I have.
1: Well, I don't know what I've got installed.
0: Oh no, because the elves and the shoemaker work at night, don't they? and install yeah. all sorts on your machine right it's It's there have you tried it then go and try it go and try it
1: right what do i do oh oh that must be new what is make selfie oh good grief
0: yes it does that as well but i mean there are no photographs of me i I, I don't do that kind of thing you won't find a photograph of me
1: right so what do i press
0: have you taken a selfie then is that what you're doing oh we're going to have to put this in the show notes if you do just take a screenshot with the thing and then you draw around it with the tool to highlight it. But instead of just putting a circle on it, it zooms in as well. Right. OK, OK.
1: I've taken a screenshot.
0: Oh, this is like slow motion. Right. And then hold
1: down the option. Key.
0: Yes. Yeah, Have you selected the tool? The one the to draw around tool. it? Yeah. Isn't this agonising? Yes, right. So hold the option oh, right.
1: key down. Oh, I see.
0: Ah, lights don't. And there's me
1: facing close-up. Oh dear, you did take a <laughs> selfie. Oh. hey that's that that's like that's like at the match when they zoom into a person
0: oh, right good, i'll goodness. have to save that fan of the week
1: fan of the week yeah mug of the week right my case.
0: so that was a really good tip hold the option keys down it zooms it's better but um i know you wanted to try that at work before snagging it didn't end well no, did it, it didn't. go on usual was it
1: <laughs> god i look like i've got a massive head on a small body you'll have to see this later
0: uh, save it for me. It'll be something for me to look forward yeah, to. I'll
1: delete it after though. It's not going in the show notes. <laughs> I'll
0: see what I can do, and so will Siri. Really? So, Windows. You
1: tried it on Windows, or did you? Um, I tried it on Windows. Yes, I did try it on Windows.
0: I thought you didn't get that far. <laughs> I
1: tried to install it because it was free, and it crashed.
0: You see, it was be- it, no. That was because you added the... because it was free. Oh, what does work at work? I'm assuming that was your work Word machine. Word and Excel. Mm, but you're forced to use yeah. those. So it's because it's locked down, not because there's something wrong with it. Probably, yeah. Uh,
1: it's, it's probably didn't have the right version of whatever on it. You
0: did not stand on one leg with a
1: sacrificial chicken and wave it. It was probably a 0.00, 0.00, one version of the... Windows service pack that was missing.
0: Yeah, as ever. Well, let's move on. Another favourite of mine, a bit quirky, is something called Napkin, which is very different from a simple screenshot utility, but useful in certain circumstances. It has a napkin background. So it's as if you're going to draw on a napkin or or, well, you can draw or you can bring screenshots into it and put arrows and circles and the usual kind of stuff on it. The focus is heavily on the annotations. But the canvas allows annotations outside the original capture. So if you think about what you've just done in Monosnap, when you've got that circle and you've highlighted it, you've got that zoom bit. If you drag it off the edge of the image, it disappears, doesn't it? Yeah. So that you've only got the square area of the image. Well, what Napkin does that's very different is it gives you a, a, a huge canvas outside of the image. So if you want to draw... And you can draw a zoom mode on it. There is a zoom mode. So, you know, you draw a zoom element on it and you drag it away. As you drag it away, it has um, where you leave it. And it has like a tag on the other end. And as you move the, the tag at the other end, then what is appears in the zoom is dictated by where you leave the tag. So you've got live editing of that zoom mode. And I like to drag them outside of the image. And then I can put explanation text on the the canvas. If you think about how Sketch and Monosnap work, very different. And you only have the area of the image. Now you can extend that and various things, but Napkin just makes it easy. So it has text, it has this zoom mode, it has arrows. Another thing I've never seen anywhere else is measurements. So if you've taken a screenshot of a website, maybe, and you want to say, I want this wider. If you draw a line across it and you set this to be a specific line, so there's different types of lines. One is called red line. If You set it to red line. It puts a measurement on it and it will actually live measure it. So you don't have to sit there and work out that this image is 280 pixels and you want it 300. As you draw the line, it will measure it for you. Um, It also has redaction. So you can double click on an image and just draw across elements that you want to be redacted and then come out of redaction mode. That works brilliantly. And there's great sharing as well. Thing with it is, it is another one of those professional tools. So it's way beyond what you would actually need if you take like one screenshot every month. But if you're working with screenshots, which I am, you are, then it's worth it, but it's twenty seven ninety nine from the App Store, and when you, if you, I mean, there is no. I'm not actually sure if there is a trial. Could there be a trial? Check that out for me. Is there a trial at, at Napkin? It's um, aged and something. The site. It'll, you'll find it. Napkin app.
1: I'll just put Napkin Mac. I'll find.
0: That's me. the one. Aged and distilled.
1: Sounds like me. If you say so. Um download on the Mac app store, so I doubt
0: it right, so right, okay, so if there isn't a trial, then if you'd bought it and you looked at it, you'd think this doesn't do much, but it's one of those apps. it does, and what it does is very different than what other apps in the in the same genre do, but it's one of those apps that once you start working with it, you really appreciate it.
1: so you're still using skitch
0: um i I do i I do still have it installed because one it's got much better since Evernote did annihilate half the features, um, but it integrates so well with Evernote and I do still use Evernote. So, yes, I've got it installed. Um, it's just that I don't want to put all my eggs in, in the Evernote sketch basket anymore because They've bought it and they want it to enhance the Evernote experience. And if that means losing other features, then I would suspect that they would just lose them. And that might be a feature that I rely on. So um, they're going to change that to suit the demands of their business. And that might not be what's best for me. So I just don't rely on it. I'd say Snagit's my primary tool. Um, Like you're saying, that cutout feature is... I remember looking at it thinking, I'm never going to use this. And then once it was there, I thought, wow, this is cool. Yeah you know, it's the one i use yeah, most one, of the time one of those situations so snag it primarily um but i'm i'm using napkin more as well because i like the finished result um, the finished result from napkin is much better if i'm what i'm doing i'm going to take it into um a keynote or a powerpoint presentation because i can do most of the work outside of it and just take the finished product in because if i don't do that if i take the raw materials in to keynote and then start annotating it I may have problems translating that into PowerPoint later. So if it's all in Napkin, it doesn't matter whether it's going into PowerPoint or Keynote or Pages or it doesn't matter. You get the same result. So that, that's um, why that is there and what I use it for. And related to screen capture, another
1: app that you used, but uh, me not so much, which was Screen Float.
0: Yes, it was a quirky thing. It took a screenshot and floated it above all the other windows. On your desktop, which sounds completely and utterly superfluous.
1: That's what I thought. Yes,
0: but it's really useful. Um, If you think about you want to refer to a dialogue or a window that closes if it doesn't have the focus. So imagine that you're writing training materials and you want to refer to, say, a print dialogue and you you open the print dialogue and you look at it. You can't then carry on typing with that print dialogue open. So you close it and you carry on and then you realise you need to refer to it again and you're in and out, in and out. Um, for those situations, it's fantastic. So Windows without focus, and uh, also for viewing settings. so um, taking screenshots of settings, having them to one side and then going into an app and using those settings. Uh, it wasn't expensive. It was 499. The problem was, like many others, it got struck down by Mavericks. It was working after a fashion. And um, I opened it up, started working with it, and that was fine. And then I'm looking to close it, and there was no interface. So the little screenshots I'd taken were there, and I think it was in the menu bar as well, but there was no other interface to it. So to close it, I had to go into Activity Monitor. So because I don't use it every waking second of every day, I managed for a few weeks, and then I thought, this is still doing it, and there's no update. And that was when I started looking for an alternative. Not really expecting to find one, because like you're saying, it's it's too quirky, isn't it? And um, minority interest. But I did find one. I found one called Snappy App, which has exactly the same function. And as I tested it out, I thought, if anything, it's got a better implementation than ScreenFloat. Um, And that's because with a screen float screenshot, it sits on your desktop. And when you move your mouse pointer over it, you get two interface elements appear across to close the image because it is just an image floating at the top of your display. And it has a cog in the top right hand corner. Now, snappy app doesn't do that. There is no indication um, that the display is actually a screenshot. So if you can imagine taking a screenshot of, say, Skype, and you have it sitting on your desktop and in fact you could do this you could play havoc with users minds Mm. Um, you leave it sat there there's no indication that it it isn't an app until you try clicking on it you're thinking what's wrong with this?" Oh, good grief it's crashed it's not responding it's a screenshot to close it because there is no interface to close it you double click it which would probably take you about three hours of working out why you think this thing has crashed to realise it's not. It's a screenshot. But I like that. I like the fact that um, it didn't have those interface elements because and I know this is very meta, but bear with me. It means if I'm working with it and I think, okay. I'm sorted with that. I can just close it. But another alternative is if, I, if I've if i taken a screenshot to refer to something and I've made changes and then I realise I'd like to keep that or add it into something else, maybe napkin, I can actually take a screenshot of the screenshot. That is meta, isn't it? It is. Mm. But it works. It works brilliantly. You can't tell the difference. So um, a handy one to, to play tricks with. And the good news is that that was free. So I thought, well, $4.99 and the alternative is completely free and had features, to be honest, that that uh, the paid one didn't. So I was impressed with that. But ScreenFloat is now back to its pre-Mavericks glory. And I found an extra and very useful feature in it, which is when you've taken a screenshot. So one of the, my, my real live use cases for this, just to prove that I'm not just collecting software for the sake of it. Not that you'd ever think that, would you? No. Mm. Yes. Yes. No. 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 Really, this this has a use. When I'm editing the show in uh, Logic, I go through and as I'm marking off, this is uh, back bites, this is chat bites, this is the wrap up. I'm saving that to uh, the markers section, and I use that to create the enhanced podcast. And it has timings in it, but they are locked in logic and uh, logic will not export them in a way that's any use to me. So what I do is I take a screenshot of that and then I can close logic down. And when I'm taking it to where I add my chapter markers, I've got this to refer to. The only thing is it's very tiny. It's very tiny in logic. Um, and what I do with it, which I can now do with ScreenFloat, inadvertently found this. Hovering over the edge of one of these screenshots, if you click and drag, it will resize it and it will make it much bigger, which is a nice feature. So I was going to say I think Snappy App is better, but now ScreenFloat's got that feature. Can't choose between them. Spoilt for choice, as usual. Yeah, as usual, I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest. Thank you. Anyway, on to some retired hardware. I know you're shocked, aren't you? Um, I guess semi-retired would be more accurate. But what could I possibly be referring to? Well, it's my Apple wireless keyboard. I loved my original Apple white keyboard, but it was a swine to keep clean. You could carbon date the crumbs that were visible in the base. Used to drive me mad. Couldn't get them out either. Uh, When they brought in that flat style, um, you know, the slimline one. I think it was 2007 wasn't it yeah i was dubious when i looked at it but uh, after i tried one during a one-to-one session broke down and bought one uh, that was the one it was wired and it had the numeric keypad but it didn't take them long to get rid of that did it
1: no i've still got that one down the side of my desk oh i've
0: still got one as well and i remember when i went in to get a mac and they were shipping them with um at the time the smaller keyboard but wired and um, I said, no, I want the one with the numeric keypad. And apparently in, in a retail store, they can't do that. So they had to sell it to me for a silly price.
1: Oh, that's I remember. Yes,
0: um, because I did want the one with the numeric keypad. Um, I, I created shortcuts and all sorts of stuff like that. But there was an upside to uh, them downsizing it, which was um, no cable. So I did end up with a standard wireless keyboard. So why did I change... You're wondering, aren't you? I am. Mm. Too many mistakes and particularly missing letters when I was typing. Are you sure that wasn't you? No! Self-righteously indignant now.
1: Domestic. Domestic.
0: So I researched into the options and uh, I decided to try a Matthias Tactile Pro which for the uninitiated is based on the design of the Apple Extended Keyboard from way back. Not a cheap option. It was £120 plus delivery, but I bit the bullet. Uh, it arrived the next day. Initial impression. It was huge. You must do the size comparison, mustn't you? Must do the size comparison. Must you? Um, it was also heavy. I said, must you? Yes. It was also very heavy. And um, if I'm honest, it sounds like a herd of rampaging buffalo when I'm typing. But the only downside for me is the cable. Uh, I can cope with everything else, but I would prefer to lose the cable. Um, The reason that it's cabled is to make sure that you don't have that problem with the keys. I think it's known as ghosting, where you're you're trying to type and you're either not getting the keys you're expecting or there's like odd ones missing. Um, Well, that's why it's cabled. Or you just can't type. I'm going to ignore you. So as I'm saying, the cable, Um, it's 1.8 metres, which is a lot to lose. I've got a desk with no cutout. You know, those cutout options where you feed things down the hole. My desk is um, quite long in the tooth now, but I love it and I don't want to swap it. So I don't have one of those. So I'd have to take it like under the front of the Mac and stuff. So not really an option to lose it in a nice way. So um, what I've done with it is I've tied it into a coil and it hides perfectly underneath the keyboard because it's got solid legs that raise the keyboard. So slope it slightly forward. So it's the perfect level and position for typing. And what's left of the cable, which is only about maybe 12 to 18 inches, I've got connected to the Mac via that USB 2 hub. Do you remember the hub I was going crazy for? I remember the hub you were going crazy. The little pretty one. And the lovely Jenna organised it for me. And, um, it, it got here eventually, eventually, and it's gorgeous. Well, that I have sat at the front, so I just have it popped into that. Um, it does feel great. And um, there's no batteries. I don't know about you, but the batteries always go at the most inopportune moments on all my battery devices. Yes, my batteries are low right now, but they should last till the end of the episode. I'm not going to say anything about that. So, as I'm saying, no batteries. And um, it's also got three USB slots, which is quite handy. One on either side and one at the back. So, very handy for um, pen drives. Although, to be honest, because I've got this lovely hub, uh, I don't really tend to use that. Actually, that's
1: what I miss about this keyboard. I've just thought about that. So you do miss that? The USB slots, yeah.
0: What did you put in them?
1: USB devices. <laughs> oh,
0: state the obvious. No. Um, yes, pen drives, big drives.
1: In. I'll tell you what I put in. The um,
0: receiver thing for my Logitech mouse. Oh, yes, I had that in mine. Because they used to be slightly recessed, yeah. didn't they? On the wired one. Yeah, I don't use them for, for pen drives because I've got this little one. But I think if I didn't have the little one, I would probably miss it for pen drives. But the, yes, this has got three anyway, but I don't tend to use it. Obviously, it's got the numeric keypad and it's also got dedicated function keys. Uh, so you don't have to hold down that function key in the lower left hand corner, which drives me mad. I've, I've
1: got used to that. Now.
0: It's an extra key. But it is an extra key and an extra but, finger, isn't no, it? No, I was never overly keen on that. Probably just because of the way I work. Um, I've seen no more lost letters. So uh, still a few typos, but nothing actually missing, which was what was happening to me. Um, I've actually had this quite a while. Don't know why I've not talked about it before. Um, I've had it 18 months and it looks like new. I find the Apple keyboards, and I must have had quite a few of those, they suffer from shiny key syndrome. Are yours shiny? Um,
1: no, they're a bit grubby, actually. No,
0: you know what I mean? Not, not, not. And it's not dirt. It's like when you clean it, instead of it, your fingers kind of slip on it because you've worn it down to smooth. Whereas when you buy a keyboard, it's actually got quite a texture on it. And no, no amount of cleaning cures it. Right, well,
1: what do you know about cleaning?
0: Tech cleaning, not household cleaning. Completely different beast. Is there a difference? Yes.
1: Is it? Oh.
0: Anyway, I doubt it's completely immune to shiny key syndrome, but I suspect it's going to take a lot longer to show evidence of it than the Apple one. And uh, luckily, the leg hasn't fallen off, like that stupid strip of plastic that passes for a leg on the Apple wireless keyboard, of which I think I've lost about four. You've never lost one, have you?
1: No, I I obviously don't use it enough.
0: Yeah, it must be the way I type.
1: Mm, Yeah, well,
0: I've lost too many of them anyway. Um, I guess if you're looking at the downside... The price, you but there again, you'd pay almost as much for a less sturdy Bluetooth option. And um, the weight for me is an advantage because I don't really need the keyboard wandering all over the desk as I work. And as for the noise, well, it soon becomes the norm. And that's from someone who doesn't like noise of any description. Can't say you agree, though. No, I think we're right, Rampaging Buffalo. Mm. Well, it's sure sturdy. It's like something out of War Games, isn't it? It's a fantastic typing experience come clean a webinars oh yes Uh, well if i were to use this in a webinar i doubt you'd hear anything else so what i tend to do in a webinar is uh, unplug it and and lovingly lay it down on the other desk and either return to the apple wireless or a logitech easy switch keyboard which is um rather newly acquired and um, an awesome alternative to the apple wireless keyboard awesome because i think it's the keyboard apple should have made it's backlit You ever notice that when you're using it in in here where I am with it now? I was going to say, is that that thing in there? Yes, and it's backlit. So it works more like a laptop. I I think people are are used to the black keys as well. It doesn't show the dirt like the other one. So um, it's backlit. And the other benefit is it's got three Bluetooth options. So you can have it connected to three devices at the same time and switch between them at the press of a button. So I've got it connected to my iPad, my iPhone and my Mac. And I just find that more useful than I thought I would. Um, I have been forced to work more mobile than I prefer to work. And I ended up trying to type something up on my iPhone. And luckily, I had this keyboard with me and I thought, I'll try it. And it was really usable. It was a tiny screen, obviously, but it was really usable. So... um, major benefit for me, of course, is that it's silent, which is critical for webinars and even more so for recording training videos. And you don't, although you don't tend to type too much in a training video, you are using shortcut keys all the time. And I think if I was using my other keyboard, you'd certainly know, wouldn't you? Mm, Yeah, definitely. So with this Logitech, there's no batteries to charge either because there's no batteries in it. It's actually thinner than a battery would be. So there will be nowhere for batteries to go. Um, It has an internal battery and you can use it while it's charging. So it's just a matter of plugging it in like a USB device and it would charge. It's incredibly light. And because of that, it's incredibly portable. The only weirdness I found, and that could be because my other keyboard is this um, Matthias Pro, When you put a keyboard in, a new keyboard, Maverick seems to ask you to press the key one to the right of the shift key on the left hand side of the keyboard. I'll say that again slowly for you, Mike. Left hand side of the keyboard, shift key. What's the key next to it? One to the right of that shift key. The tilt. Yes. Well, that's what I've got on both of my keyboards. But when I attach this easy switch keyboard, it's convinced that it's the section key and it makes the section key, which is in the top left hand corner, just under the escape, the tilde key which drives me completely insane. Most people wouldn't even notice. But my section key, I use as like um as a prefix key to a lot of my shortcuts. So if I'm typing, if I wanted to type my name, I'll use section key EG and then it will expand it. And of course, if it's in the wrong place, it's doing weird stuff. So that drives me insane. But a reboot fixes it. So it's not that it's broken. Um, it's just doing its own thing, I guess. So that was the only thing that I found with it. So of those two options, I think both of them are much better than the Apple keyboard. The Matthias Pro is about £120 and the Easy Switch is £87, which is all its money, but it's like having three keyboards. And of course, needless to say, you use neither, do you?
1: I use neither. I used to use the big keyboard that came with my iMac, like you said before, but I found that the cord got in the way. I then went to that big Apple keyboard, uh, the flat one with the USB Mm -hmm. thing that I've forgotten about, but you reminded me before.
0: And now you're going to miss it, whereas you weren't Um, missing it before. My duty's done there. Can I hear some chunnering in my ear? No,
1: no. Why don't you say it a bit louder? No, you're fine. Carry on. I I missed what you said. No, it's fine. I also miss the home and end keys. Um, So when I do an Excel webinar, I tend to go back to the the wired one.
0: Is there no way to get home and end where you use the function key as well that probably is but you know i forget what they are um i'm not sure that that would work in a vm no it probably wouldn't. it might work on the mac but it might not work in a vm because the, the keys switch over for a vm don't they i think they do sometimes you can use command and c and command and v inside a windows vm and other times you've got to use the control key so it, it yeah. would probably get very
1: confused it does it it confuses me um the one I'm using at the moment is the Apple wireless one, um, the, the smaller Apple wireless one, which I think is about sixty quid, isn't it?
0: Yeah, 60, 65 pounds. I could,
1: I could have three of those whilst you're having those two.
0: Well, you could, and you'd probably need them the way the legs drop off. Yeah, but it's not like
1: my work one, because uh, my work one, my work one is full of crumbs and muck, and you know, you turn them upside down and you bang them on the desk, and lots of stuff comes out.
0: Can you- what would happen at Bytes headquarters if you were to turn up any piece of tech on the desk and thump it.
1: Um, yeah, you got ballistic.
0: Right. Well, that, that, that seems a good note to end this episode on. So that's it for this special episode of MapBytes. Third part of our MapBytes 7 series. Seven MacBytes in seven days. We're trusting no one is delinquent yet.
1: Yeah, I've heard them all.
0: Well, I know you have. Do you know, I wonder if we'll ever get this show out because that helicopter's back again. I was just thinking that. Still
1: looking for our defence.
0: Yes, I think so. We should let them know when we're recording this. Mm. After another drubbing, which doesn't limit it really, does it? No. I should explain that, shouldn't I? Manchester United dropping, got beat again. Yes, sorry, Harry um, knows. There is a helicopter buzzing around outside apparently looking for United's defence. So if you hear that, that's what it is and that's what they're doing. Anyway, as always, we would love to hear from you. Send your questions, comments, queries by email to MacBytesuk at gmail.com. You can use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. Check out the show notes at macbytes.co.uk, and keep sending in your Mac love bites. We are collecting them. We're getting a good selection and we'll be be bringing Matt Love Bytes back very soon you could leave a review on itunes we would really appreciate that we could read them out as well yeah i'd like that yeah be good, a good idea you could like us on facebook and circle with us on google plus sign up for the newsletter also at macbites.co.uk and you can follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash macbites you can follow me personally on twitter twitter.com slash elaine giles
1: you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash So
0: until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBites. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Three days into the great MacBytes 7 and they're holding up well. It's me that's keeping
1: them going, you know.
0: Of course it is.